brains very easily buy this idea that our lives are stories with four or five clear big moments at which we make decisive action which sets us on another path. But I don't think most of life is like that. Most of life is 1,000 decisions a day which if we get 700 of them right, we'll have a better life. But nobody wants to make a film like that. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out Mopad. how to do life. Mopad. But it turns out Mopad. nobody knows I am speaking to you from uh, the bedroom of Mark Watson's son in North London, where we have just recorded uh, a, t a double episode, two hours. We've just been talking for two hours. I'm still a tiny bit sick, which you may be able to hear. It wasn't as bad as last week or the week before, where you barely got an introduction because of my just illness and also just my poor planning because in reality I shouldn't be recording the episodes uh, on the day that I also record the intros and then send them out and release them the next day. I should be better prepared. Maybe that's a New Year's resolution. Maybe next year I'm going to be better prepared with this podcast so you don't have to get sneezy, snotty, last minute intros from me. I'll try that. This is... Uh, About that, that I mean, so Mark is now the person who's been on this podcast the most. This is the third time he's on the podcast, and one of those other recordings were also a double episode. So this is his fourth episode on this podcast, and it's partly because he's one of my closest friends. He's one of my favorite people. He's uh, he's magnificent, and I'm very very. I'm so pleased and so grateful that I know him, but it's not just self-indulgence. <laughs> it's also just that he's super fascinating. I, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm biased because I really like him, but I really think there's such a value to everything he says because he's so empathetic. He has more empathy than, I think, to be honest, than what's probably healthy. And he has... <laughs> He has weirdly strong opinions about New Year's Eve and resolutions and self-improvement and, yeah, anything to do with kind of self and the new year. So I thought that this might be a good uh, way for you. Cause, like, if you do listen, I mean, you might listen to this way after Christmas and New Year is over. But, you know, the, the, I think the same principles still apply. So these next two episodes will be right before New Year's Eve and right after New Year's Eve. And the theme is generally, right, it's a new year, what do we do? How do we do this? Who am I? What do I need to do better? So I hope you'll enjoy them, and I hope you'll enjoy Mark as much as, as I do, just in general. Uh, before I let you listen to the first part of this two-part New Year's Mark Watson special, his episodes four and five in theory um i quickly want to say that i'm going on tour next year with my tour uh bubble wrap happy fat which is part stand-up part uh my new book happy fat which is about why it's okay to be fat and you can already pre-order it on all the book sites and also amazon and i know amazon don't pay taxes i also know that for some people that's just not it's not you know Do you know? You know what I mean. Obviously, Amazon, eth ethically bad. Also, daft sometimes. What can you do? Okay, I'm not going to get into that. But anyways, you can pre-order my new book, Happy Fat. It's out in May. Now, the tour will be in Cambridge, Coventry, Colchester, Colch Colchester? Uh, Cardiff, Salford, which is like Manchester, I think. Uh-oh, don't kill me. Liverpool, Newcastle, Bristol, Birmingham, Leeds, Norwich, Exeter. And now the London date has been confirmed. It's at the Bloomsbury Theatre. It's fucking huge, so please get tickets. I don't know why I thought I could sell that much. But um, yeah, that's on June 15th. And the rest are around April, May and June as well. Then in the beginning of April... 
I am doing a Copenhagen and an Aarhus date. That's two Denmark dates. And it's going to be the first time I do my new show, which will have its UK premiere in Edinburgh next, like, 19, which is August. But in April, I'm doing it for the first time properly in Copenhagen and Aarhus. The new show is called The Bum Swing. You're very welcome. It's a show about memory and the things we remember, the things we wish we didn't remember, the things we wish we could forget, and the things we're not quite sure if we remember correctly. That's what it's about. Uh, I love it very much. I think it's very funny. I'm still doing work in progress shows and previews of it all around London, and I'm doing it in, at the Glasgow Comedy Festival in March, I think, and I'm doing it in Leicester in February. Just like tiny rooms where I'm testing stuff out. I'm doing loads in London as well. Uh, part of the I'm doing two shows with Mark. Mark Watson from this podcast in uh, middle to end of January in London where I'm just going to test out new jokes for the new show The Bum Swing so that's Denmark, that's the UK I then also have a new comedy podcast called Secret Dinosaur Cult which I'm doing with Jody Mitchell previous, previous former also a guest on Made of Human podcast uh, you'll know her um, from that, she's incredible and it's a f- comedy podcast about dinosaurs and daddy issues if you like me if you're a feminist if you like laughing you'll love this podcast so go listen to that secret dinosaur cult and uh we of course do live shows we have two in january and we're going to set up more both in london and around the country uh, from then on so go to secret for that for all my tour tickets sophiehagen.com uh you can buy my two stand-up shows Shimmer Shatter and Dead Baby Frog on sophiehagen.com forward slash shop, which is £5 each. I was going to say it's a nice Christmas present, but please don't give them a £5 stand-up show as a Christmas present. Just get them for them. For whatever. There's no waiting around and family stuff in these days, isn't there? Go buy my show. (laughs) Please. Please buy my show. So, I'm now going to let you listen to this conversation with uh, my favourite person, Mark... Watson. It was very pleasant hearing your voice. It sounds different in the recording. From from this? Tiny bit. Yeah. Maybe uh, it's just closer to my ear. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't always talk right into your ear. <laughs> you, I feel like you should, because it, it sounded really you good. You liked it, did you? I really liked oh, it. I'm happy to, like... I'm happy to talk directly into your eardrum. You should. I think want. it would look weird in public, but I would very much accept it. Mm, okay. Just for the sound quality. Interesting. Maybe people are missing out unless they're really, you know, maybe people that meet me don't have the full experience. Yeah. And like, your shows will pe- be different from now be, on. Well, yeah. Climbing into the audience. Well, it's not even I, that different mm, from... No, that's not a different at all. Jordan Brooks has already done the thing where people have to wear oh, headphones yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I'd try something like that to like <laughs> directly give people the best possible Mark Watson experience. Can um, how where where are we meeting you? Like, what's your state of mind like right now? Where are you in well life and today uh, and emotionally and all of that? Yeah, it's the last week before Christmas, of course. As we, I mean, people will be listening to this after Christmas, I guess. But as we meet it is uh yeah one week to go it'll be christmas eve in a week uh you'll be sort of in denmark with your he, ca- he comes to you early isn't he father christmas oh the father christmas yeah 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 so he'll be so you will be like pretty on edge i should think this time <laughs> next week um and uh the sun sunlight is streaming in through the winters through the blinds it's nice isn't it um so it's a bright winter's morning I'm pretty good. I mean, this time of year is um, challenging because there are too many th- things to do. Like a lot of people, as you know, a lot of people just seem to start having parties and like drinks, mm. receptions and things from about the 1st of September onwards. Well, mm-hmm. I don't have time to go to any of the things that like I don't really, nor do I particularly want to. But um, um, so this uh, kind of false deadline arrives where you think you have to get things done by Christmas but in reality that means kind of now because very very soon people will stop um, replying to things and doing and I have quite a lot of projects that have all had to be finished by Christmas as nearly always happens so I don't I mean I but I wouldn't say I'm not feeling festive it's just I because I tend to take um, a lot of my pleasure from working anyway as you know so I don't I don't wish that I was kind of um, 
dancing on tables and like photocopying my bum and stuff like that. Although I will try and do that at some point. It's a bit different if you don't have, I mean, we have got an office here these days. I've got four or five people that I work with now. So this is the first year I can potentially do that sort of office party stuff. Um, but it's difficult. One of them, my girlfriend and the other ones, like I, it's still too small an office really for groping and stuff to like, <laughs> there wouldn't be, it would be hard to get a scandal going because we'd all know about it straight away. You need, I think you need twice the workforce before you could do that. And I'm the only man in the, um, in my production company as well. So I have to be careful with what, well, with the climate. Uh, things stick to you very easily so no kind of regrettable Christmas behaviour for me this year I don't think emotionally though I'd say like the, all this kind of um, uh, all this trying to finish stuff off and uh, rush to rush to the finish line of, and of course you have to buy Christmas presents and get all of the uh, the festive admin out of the way all that is kind of um, weighing me down a bit but all that is very temporary of course in general terms, I would say I'm in a good place uh, leaving this year. It's been a good year for me, and I'm um, I'm quite upbeat about the um, the new year. If anything, this is a bit Grinch-like as well, but I'm, I'm sort of keen to get on with the new year now. If we could just have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, um, and maybe Boxing Day, if we could just get on with those and, and then go back to normal immediately, I'd be happy with that. I always feel that. I had a joke about it, in fact, um, in the last show, I think it was what I used to say: if you could, if you could choose to die, when would you when would you do it? If you had the luxury of choosing, um, because I'd seen someone talking about how they would like to die in the summer if they had the opportunity, just because it's a cheerful, nice time of year. But I said for me, it would be this bit between Christmas and New Year, because you don't know what to do with that time of year, and it goes really slowly. And part of that is true. I find it a weird kind of um, there's quite a bit of dead time. Um, the time of year. So, uh, much as I'm looking forward to Christmas, I'm sort of um, I'm keen for the um, new year to start. I tend to be very productive at the start of a new year as well. Coming into this year, I um, I kind of said to myself that, you know, in a funny way, the start of the new year, like the, the coming of January and things, is almost like my Christmas <laughs> because uh, it's, it's particularly so this year because I had a quite hard year last year and a tough Christmas as well, and I, I was really keen for. Um, it to be done and to be getting on with the many projects that I had. And, but there's, there's an element of it this year as well. There are a lot of things I'm looking forward to doing in January. Uh, so at a time when everyone else is gloomy about um, the coming out of the first season, I think I'll be quite kind of chirpy. That's kind of why I wanted to do this now with you in the middle yes. of all of your busyness. Um, because I really... this. I mean... So I don't like New Year's Eve as a thing. I don't like fireworks and I don't like the drunkenness and the kind of uncomfortableness of... Ugh, yes. I, just, I hate New Year's Eve, but I love the idea of New Year. and But I don't like the kind of... Um, <clears throat> I've, I feel like with New Year's resolutions, it's always kind of... They're almost always punishing... Yeah, it's always like oh, then you have to start doing these things that are actually quite uncomfortable. Because yes, you have to, giving up smoking yeah. or drinking or something. Yeah, or, becoming a vegan. Sorry, becoming a vegan. Yes. Oh, it's taking you just six minutes to mention vegans. Oh, <laughs> so. like yeah, like you have to start going to the gym, and then like on day one, you're like, oh god, it's the first of January. I don't want. Like you don't want. Yes, to do that's these right. Things. I, I that's right. I think that, uh, and even if even if they're positive things. You're right. They tend to be a response to things that you feel you've been doing wrong. It's mm. time to just do better with this. It's time to and uh, yeah, I do think there's something. Um, it's the reason that most people don't see these resolutions through for a start is that January is a tough time to um, break new habits because it, well, it is for me anyway. It's cold. A lot of people find it quite a gloomy, miserable mm. time of year. It doesn't make sense to try and impose a load of new stuff on yourself. In the it middle starts of kind of with a like this. In my head, I don't know if that's just me, but I kind of like things to be like, I want things to start on the first yeah. or on a Monday. Yes. You know, but the first is, you're you're off on the first of January. Yeah, ideally the first of January um, should always be a Monday because it's so much yeah, nicer and, like and that. Yeah, and then you have to go to work. Whatever 
whatever else, whatever other days of the week there have been leading up to the 1st of January, it should reset to You Monday. can't change your life on a Tuesday. Exactly. It should be much more... just feel weird. Then you'd go, oh, I'm just going to start on Monday, but then it's already a week into... I know. And then you can never say, oh, from the 1st of January. It's absolutely right. You can't so change you your life well on a Tuesday because it would be weird, let alone year. a Wednesday or something. How's your week been? Uh, yeah, fine. Monday, I just did some shopping. Tuesday, I began to change my life. It's not satisfying. <laughs> it doesn't have symmetry. It has, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and also, like... You're right that if if you try to if you try to basically make quite punishing changes, um, you'll you'll resist them anyway. But especially like dry January, a lot of people choose not to drink in the month of January because uh, they've been overindulging in the Christmas period. They get to a point in Christmas where they think, "Oh, I'm drinking too much." A point which I certainly expect to reach. <laughs> but I, I will. The, the answer to that is not. I don't think to just cease drinking for such a cold difficult month I certainly couldn't do that um, I, I'm not sure I, well I've, you know, I believe I could go for a month without drinking but I don't think it seems an odd note to start the year on and yeah like people again this thing of people joining a gym is always like this swell of gym new gym memberships at the start of the year and then regular gym goers then like you know laugh at these people who mm. wrongly laugh at them no one should ever uh, behave like that in the gym gyms are like it's not it's not right to do it, but it is accurate to say that a lot of people and it's the same problem like the, the morning of january the 6th is the worst time to drag yourself to the gym if you don't already want to do it i think that's probably what's key actually i think resolutions are about um firstly you should make resolutions which reflect something you want to do not something you think you should do or need to do like if you want to give up drinking good luck to you <laughs> uh, if you really want to be a vegan like you think it's an attractive lifestyle then give that a go as a new year's resolution but i don't i think giving things up for new year as you say is a weirdly uh punitive note to begin the year on mm. when a lot of us already find it's a bit of a struggle to get going yeah because also what will almost always happen when you do anything like that is it'll fall apart at some point and worst case scenario yeah. it falls apart around end of january beginning of february and february is not then the you've still got to do month. february yeah this is like <laughs> such a drag of a month as well it is other than my birthday i'm uh, oh yeah of course which you won't have forgotten about i'm sure <laughs> um yeah i've always been really grateful to have a birthday in february because if it's June or something, you don't need a birthday. Like, yeah, I feel nice the same way about around. November. Yeah, November's not a good because like it's thing. too fast, it's too long for, to Christmas. Like around October, it starts getting grey. Yeah, and then I wouldn't want to go two months without something happening. No, I think a winter birthday is not a bad yeah. idea. Not that you have much control over it, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Um, people, people that go like get heavily into the gym or a diet or something at the turn of the year will we'll often do it intensely for the first half of January or even up to the middle of February or something but you can't you probably won't sustain it um, and but and we've talked about this before I am really invested in the idea of using New Year as a um, marker to look at where you are in your life and try to make positive changes it's just I think the and I do every year make quite a long list of things that I would like to address and uh, change and do better and generally my track record of doing a lot of them is good when I look back at the, at the end of the year but it's because they're generally things which you can carry out over a year like think more positively say or even if it is drink less uh, it will be over the course of the year have a healthier relationship with alcohol or um, like this year I, I set out to run uh, more and I had this idea of running a marathon which I did do in the end um, but it well firstly it wasn't that I was unfit and thought it's about time I did this I was already keen on running it's just I wanted to make time and space for it in my life because I'd recognised that A that exercise, physical exercise was, was uh, giving me something help that I couldn't get elsewhere I, I I mean giving me something psychologically it was getting me out of my head in a way that I wasn't that, that is quite uh, valuable but also um, it's really easy not to do it because it feels like an indulgence it, like if there are emails to answer then getting all your running kit on so, so I, I made space for that in my life um, but I didn't do it by in the first week of January thinking right here we go you have to it has to be this number of runs I just gradually started to get into the habit i think new year's resolution should be about 
gradually adjusting your habits over a 12 month period, not getting to the end of like, getting to January the 10th and thinking, oh, I already, that's why you'll, when you hear people um, say, oh, I've already broken all my years resolutions. You think, well, you, you can't have done, what you mean is you haven't yet managed to do them, but there's no point seeing it like a competition where if you give up smoking, it's like, oh, on, you do it for a week and on the 9th of January you have a fag and you're like, oh, there goes that resolution. That's not how, um, in fact, I think that I'm always talking about Darren Brown, but he talks a bit about this in his book, that if you, because we are, te- because as humans we're programmed to think in terms of, I won that battle, I lost that battle, or something, you know, this is the sort of thing I'm always on about as well. Like, as a result, if you, if you don't have a drink for three weeks, but then you do have a one maybe you get hammered even one night then your brain goes there we go it was good for three weeks but it's all gone wrong now what you should be thinking is it's impressive that i went I, uh, this is my first drink in 21 days so i can probably now begin another 20 if you see life more uh, in cycles of where things have gone well interrupted by the old time where things haven't gone as well it's much healthier than thinking yeah, I kept it going for six weeks, but I couldn't. You've talked about this with diets as well. Like, no, well also, I mean, dieting is different because diet is a different subject. But there is again, there is this. Yeah, there's still a, 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 a like, thing to it. But but people do talk about dieting in the same way of like, yeah, oh, yeah. I've been good for a week, but oh, now God, I've crashed yeah. again, which is partly to do with the physiological element of dieting. Yeah, because yeah, like, dieting isn't sustainable. That's, yeah, that's what it's meant to do. But it's also again it's this like almost crypto religious thing of like i yeah, followed it, it well but now i have fallen again the first the first time i remember that occurring to me well not occurring to me someone told me was when i was like 13 14 and i was having dinner with my dad's new wife and i was saying to her that i really wanted to write a diary but i didn't like my handwriting and i wasn't sure i was going to do it every day and uh, like i needed a good notebook and then I'd written one, but then I hadn't written for a few days, and then I just threw it out. And where she, and it's such a simple thing to say to someone, but she was like, "You could do whatever you want. You know that, right? Yeah. So you can. You don't even have to write every day. You don't have to. You don't even have to write words. You can just make a drawing, or you can skip three pages and then. It's really true. Write again, and uh, like miss a few weeks, and then do it again. Like, she was like, "You can write a poem, a lyrics to a song you like, put in a pic, like." You know, yeah, there's no true. one's actually telling you that there's a rule. You I have kind to of wish that someone had said that to me because I had various. I had diaries at different points in my teenage, but being like you, quite a um, a person, I don't know quite what the word is. Um, so the word is not, the term is not OCD because people use that very, very lightly. Mm. But having a need for order and completeness, I suppose, being a completist, I used to find, um, especially a way a diary is normally formatted with, you know, a box for each of the seven days. If there were a couple of empty boxes, I would very quickly get discouraged mm. by that. It just looked wrong. Like, mm what happened on Wednesday why isn't it there um, and so like for example I think it is healthier with a diary to just keep it in, a, in an unmarked notebook then you yeah. can just put it because as soon as you have uh, a page you must fill every day then again you're going to feel like okay, you've, you've it. Yeah. got it wrong it's by the not worst it's the yeah. absolute worst but, but that is a really good analogy for the way that we generally see Resolutions. You do it successfully for even for weeks, and then the day you don't do it, you feel as if everything else has been invalid. It, it's not really. It's not healthy to look on life changes as things which you can uh, press a button to make, and then uh, you just like hang on to grimly. And you know, I remember um, one of the many times you've said something uh, why isn't helpful to me this year was. Um, <laughs> In in the course of this training for this marathon, which was a sort of life life goal that I um, made it to this year, um, kind of well, yeah, there's no kind of about it, but um, I uh, I was forced to treat the running slightly more methodically, like to start running longer and longer distances, follow a training plan. Um, but I did not follow it religiously as some people do because I had a sense that it would start to feel like work and, um, and of course some of it has to be work you, you, like you you are you do have to train quite hard um, but uh, I did not follow it yeah in a particularly regimented way and there was a day when I ran um, relatively what should have been quite an easy distance but it just didn't feel right it felt and it was because looking back I was running late in the day so my body's not used to um, 
I trained kind of in the mornings normally and I'd eaten that day and everything was just out of out of sync but this was only about a month or something before the actual marathon um so it's very discouraging to think god that's about a quarter of the distance I'm meant to be running in uh, but you said I texted you and you said um this is meant to be fun surely <laughs> uh like maybe just accept that today wasn't a good day for you to run and it, it was true when I when I looked back afterwards I thought well I mean it, the, a the, I'm only trying to run a marathon because I enjoy running so this is the continuation of a, an already fun thing um no one's forced me to do this and b even if I didn't finish the marathon on the day like it doesn't I still would have had an enormous amount of uh, you're mostly enjoyment getting there like the training was mm. enjoyable the reason that I was able to that I succeeded in, in running a marathon this is why I hesitated about calling it a life goal because when I was doing my resolutions this time last year I didn't say in 2018 I will run a marathon it was I will continue to pursue running and hopefully the the end goal of that the end product of that will be a marathon and I did sign up for the marathon very early in the new year but it, it wasn't really it wasn't about that that kind of uh, bucket list thing so much. I do now feel really pleased that I managed to do it and proud and everything. But it, but really, it was about the fact that that was just the that was the um, logical end product of something that I was going to already enjoy. If you but, start the year by thinking I don't really like running, but still I should be getting out there and doing it, yeah, it's going to be a miserable year. It will be a miserable year. But it's, it's interesting because you a, won't even get much satisfaction with the running you have done because yeah. you feel like you did it against your own will. But that's that's the. It feels like a bigger thing. It feels like a bit of a mindset change. The thing of both with the diaries and with the thing you just said about the running, of how we tend to look at a diary and then we focus on that day where we fail to mm. put something in instead of going, "Oh my God, you've written." Six days a week, you wrote what you did that day, or you ran forty kilometers. And we just look at, oh yeah, but you didn't run forty-two. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a. You, this takes me back to one of the things I did. I think a few years ago, which because I recently looked through my notebooks and I found what was my resolution in sixteen or something like that, maybe before that. So what I would do is at the end of each month, I wrote like the things that had happened so just like um you know wrote an article for the guardian um had that fun night out with larry uh watched that film read that book just things that were kind of you know not everyday normal things like had that meeting that made me feel good or you know had that revelation in therapy and when i read back through that just that year i don't think i actually managed to do the whole year i think i'm did it till September, but it was so valuable. Yeah, because it just—it was just like a list of. Oh no, this year did happen, and a lot of things yeah. happened. You did a lot of things. You did really great. You did a lot of work. Like you could look back and go, "What? What did I do this year? Did I? I wrote a new show. Yeah, I wrote a book, but that seems like that shouldn't take a year to do that. But then when you have a list of like, oh yeah, I had that amazing experience and I had that thing I forgot that I'd done. And- yeah, I like to often go back through the photos on my phone of the year at the end of a year because it's amazing how many things you, you realise that you have done in a year, which as you say, um, wouldn't normally feature in your review of the year because it, it wasn't, oddly, even though um, something like a, an Edinburgh, festival length run in Edinburgh or, or a book is something both of us have achieved over the past couple of years these are the things which would stand out in most people's lives but because it is our work that is kind of the bare minimum that we expect from ourselves so um, but we're also used to going yeah but you yeah, didn't sell out I, that I, gig in Plymouth I didn't and win that prize yeah, and, yeah the book that, isn't out yet so do we even know if it's good or that's you right know, I like mean it's you very can't, much based on it's based yeah the the, the uh we live. We work in a field where you uh, a you have to you have to produce a certain amount of work, so you don't feel like you you give yourself you can give yourself that much credit for doing that. And b as you say, there are always parameters you, by which you can measure yourself that could have been better. So you can't you shouldn't see a year as the product of the the work you did in it, however much satisfaction you take from that. If you look through the photos or your texts from a year or something, any record you can keep of a year, you'll see hundreds of moments that make up the tapestry of your um, 
existence for that year, which are really valuable. Yeah, photos is a good one just because you you often take photos of um, relatively inconsequential things which you would not have remembered. And an iPhone or equivalent, a smartphone is a real gift in that respect because it preserves an awful lot of stuff that you just would not, it might be in your memory, but you wouldn't be able to access it quite as easy as you. But you also realize how much unbelievable crap is on your phone, obviously. <laughs> my my um, uh, photo roll is riddled with just stuff from WhatsApp groups that's leaked into my photo roll or, you know, garbage. But in amongst it, there are these nuggets of just a nice thing you saw or just a place you you were that you, you didn't expect to be in. Or And as you say, every year contains so many of those. Um, and it's, it is really valuable to keep uh, track of them at the time. Because it's incredible, really, that I like this. The phone, the photos on it, I think my phone go back to 2014. And so for each of those years, each of those years in the phone at least has a an identity. Um, oh, that was the year I did this. But if you go back, if I go back and someone says specifically, what did you do in 2011? Again, I'd mostly only be able to describe it in terms of career stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, and that is a pity because every year does have a quite important identity, and and I, I think it's worth respecting that people often talk about. Not only do people not like New Year, understandably, because a lot of the baggage around it, as you say, is just either like drunk crowds or stupid TV hype, or there's lots of distasteful things about it as a as an occasion. But um, when people say that's just another day, uh, I, I think they're missing something important which is of course it is just another day and of course we imposed the years upon um in different universe so th it doesn't have any intrinsic meaning cosmically that we're calling it january the first and yes of course some cultures don't even have the same calendar and so on but nonetheless we in this part of the world as these humans we do live along the these milestones the same as when it's someone's birthday and they go well, yeah, I'm, it's just a number. It's different. You know, nothing else has changed. That may be true, but between the age of five and seventy-five, you do change, don't you? Mm. You are constantly evolving as a human, so you might as well use some sort of system of breaking those down. A little bit again, the same as a marathon. When you pass a thing that says you've now run eleven miles, that you're not actually better off than you were five paces beforehand, but psychologically, of course you are you feel that like that's another thing crossed off and without some means of stopping and taking uh, a survey of where you are it is easy to drift through quite long periods of your life without addressing stuff so i think given that the calendar gives us these we, we might as well i think it, i think it is important to say okay it may seem like whatever problems i have on December 29th are still going to be there on January the 3rd the other side of this um, mysterious divide and that's true in a way but it is also possible to use the momentum of the of the time of the year and think alright if I have to start something new that's what the spirit of news resolution should be really it should be like well here is something that is I'm capable of I would like to do there never seems to be quite the right moment to start it how about now um, but because of the goal-driven competitive atmosphere that we live in that has become right what eight things am I going to push myself to do this year six of which I'll have will have gone by the end of by the end of January that's why I, I really recommend making new year's resolutions on a 12-month scale where what would I like to have done where would I like to be by this time next year because then you will not get discouraged if you get to March and you haven't made any progress it's fine you, you've still got ages whereas if it's just here is how I will behave in 2019. You'll certainly be disappointed loads of times and that disappointment might drive you to not do it again. A gym is a good example. It's a real shame if people go to the gym twice or go for a run once and it drops off. They're uh, much less likely to pick it up again, again, because of this perfectly human but sad thing that once we feel we've failed once, we don't really want to try again. It's a, it's a, I, remember, like, I remember my psychologist... Um, this is like when I was 19, 20 and I was still in that like dieting space in my head and I was like, oh, I want to, I want to start going to the gym. I want to start going to the gym. And she said, okay, well you can, and I was like, oh, but I, it's just a huge thing and I don't know how to even start and blah, blah, blah. And she said, okay, well just go there and then just go home. Like you don't even have to go in. Yeah. Just go there and then 
And maybe you go in, maybe you go all the way, maybe you get changed, and then you get changed again, you go back out. And there was something, again, like mind-altering about her saying that, because it was, for me, it was very much all or nothing. Like, no, yeah. you go there, and you do all the pre-warm-up thing, and then you do all the yeah, machines. Yeah, you do and an you do, hour and a half yeah, you workout do the on your first this, day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because otherwise, it's not right. And then if I don't go back the next day, then it's not right. Where she was, it was, it's the same thing of saying, you know, there are no rules, right? You can't just go in and like punch a bag and then go back out or like. You drink can't punch water. the personal reception though. Like, no. there are some rules. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> that's true. I think both of us are quite all or nothing people, and a lot of people are like that. Well, pr- probably the sort of people that like you, um, that listen to you. Like w- all of us understand what it's like to be to feel like if you don't manage to do something absolutely right first time you haven't done it at all but that's generally not how things work and I don't think it's how self-improvement works to use that phrase I think it's more a series of small gains with disappointment in between but also remembering that you've already that's kind of the, the looking back in the previous year thing is going or like on a very 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 smaller scale it's saying oh I didn't do my laundry today but then going yeah, but I like I got out of bed. I showered. I answered that email. That's well done for someone who didn't want to leave bed. Yeah, yeah. You're always doing. You're always achieving more than you think you are, just by getting through life. Really, especially like not not, and that isn't to sound negative. It doesn't mean. I mean, we have very lucky lives, of course. But the uh, we've covered this before. It's almost what the, your podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Really, the. Um, task of being a human is a complicated one if you get to the end of the day without having done anything drastically wrong as a human then that alone is cause for some sort of satisfaction um again we we do tend to live in uh, an atmosphere of like you know high achievement is revered so much and all of the things that go with high achievement like uh, fame and status I mean, those things have always been important. To, I'm not suggesting that, that any of this is new, but um, there's probably more of a climate of uh, kind of competition and comparison than there's ever been. Just because those comparisons are easier because of the internet, because we're also connected with each other, the temptation to measure where you are against other people is um, not just. I mean, that's always been a human compulsion, but it's just much easier to do it now. You can see how much. You can even like you can see how many likes a person's post has got relative to yours. You can see there are far more metrics, statistics, numbers by which we can measure ourselves directly against other people now. Not to mention um, the fact that um, I mean, not it's not all about social media by any means, but the uh, certainly the industry that we're in pits us against each other, whether we like it or not. Not you and me specifically, but you know, yeah, and. So all of this is, is um, as well as being mentally tiring, does kind of compel you to think of things as a competition you are either winning or losing. That's why, again, writing down, making a note of where you would like to be um, a year from now, and then checking that against how how you well you did twelve months hence is a good habit because even if you didn't do loads of it, you will you will have done some of it. Or if you didn't do any of it, you'll have found you'll have surprised yourself by succeeding in other ways. I think it's a cliche, but it is the case that the competition is with yourself it, always. Your aim at the turn of a year is just to be better as you than you were twelve months ago. Everything else is a waste of time because you do not get any prizes for doing better than anyone else, unless it's sport, in which case you literally do get <laughs> prizes for that. <laughs> but someone like me does approach life a lot like sport in that regard. It's not even a conscious competition with other people. I'm much better than I used to be. A few years ago, I used to actively measure myself quite a lot against other people in, in the industry. Wonder why I wasn't achieving this or wasn't on that TV show, did not play as big a theatre as this person. Very little of that is on my mental landscape now because I'm in a better place and I'm happy pretty much with where I am and my job and everything. But on a more insidious level, we're always doing it, always comparing ourselves uh, to each other. Inevitably, that's what sort of society is. But if you can just keep comparing yourself to your, you a year a year before, you'll often be very pleasantly surprised. I think even if something's gone really wrong for you that year, you've had some big disappointments, you failed to do what you set out. You'll still look at yourself and say, "Well, I gave it." A, 
I gave those 12 months quite a good shot, I think. <laughs> what, um, so in 2017, you went on the island with Bear Grylls and had quite a, which we've spoken about we on the podcast about it before. before. Yeah. <coughs> Compared to that, um, has, when you've done something like that, and then you've sat on New Year's Eve and made up for that year, and now you, you're going to do the same thing about this year, is it like, oh, I guess I didn't almost die on an island, so... Yeah, um, it, it's true, like, going away to... A, being abandoned on an island for a few weeks is kind of a slightly um, anomalous thing to have in your summary of the year. It's definitely not... It's not part of the pattern of a normal person's life. Um and it did lead it meant that last year was a, a particular year of self-discovery and resolution and things like that because um coming back from uh, an experience as extreme as that you do in a way that was like a new year actually i came back from that with my head full of things that i'd learned from it and set out so last year was probably a year of more personal change for me than 2018 has been because i had this um startling moment of of resetting that really was a reset moment because it's very rare that you leave your life for three or four weeks like that and then are given space to process what it means um but this year on the other hand as a continuation of that i probably have um i've done much more work on being happy uh finding what i'm comfortable doing interacting with the right people distancing myself from other people i think i've i think i've lived quite successfully this year um because you don't need to go to an island luckily (laughs) most people definitely shouldn't in fact you you just need um you just need to follow when there's a moment like that for me it was weirdly a tv survival show but when something in life uh resets you or puts you on a different track is about holding on to that and always having it to refer back to. I've talked to you before, but I think I talked to you on this podcast about how one of the big um, uh, residual things from being on the island was that I can still taste, I still taste food differently or drink, or uh, still feels different being in the bath or any, almost any, all life's simple pleasures are still more raw for me now. Cause I remember I can still easily access what it was like to not have them and to crave them. And I've lived a lot of this year with the gratitude that comes from having had that taste of um, deprivation. And um, th- that's the thing. I, I Even a year and a half on, because I can still access those feelings, I still, um, I still do live as if it might all be taken away, not in a paranoid way, but I, I still wake up in bed and think, this is really nice. I'm in a bed. I have not had my face eaten off by sandflies. And um, again, you don't need... You don't need anything anywhere near as extreme as a, a sort of Bear grills inspired torture session to, to put you into that mindset is what they call mindfulness I suppose or thankfulness it's just about when you are when there are things that are good in your life remember how much you wanted them at one point how much you would have given just to be where you are now so often in life if you look at where you are what you have even if it's not perfect you should always be able to remember times when you would have looked at this and thought, "This is amazing." I, I had I had you know. a I had a really weird thing this morning, and I don't I don't even know why it came into my head, but it was almost like ten, eleven year old me. So was like, "Oh my god, you you have you have so much stuff." Yeah, <laughs> it felt I was suddenly look, really amazed. Like, oh my god, your... I've chosen the color of my own chair. Yeah, I have. I just I wanted these... a purple chair, and I fucking bought a purple chair. I know. <laughs> It was a weird moment. I have a room full of like yeah, my own my stuff. books and stuff yeah. and clothes, and it's mine. Yeah, yeah. my mom can't say that I can't have that desk because it's yeah. not practical enough. It's really easy to forget that if you live on your own, or, or like you do in a, in a shed, in a city that you didn't grow up in. Oh, I thought it was like a shed. I was like, all right. If you live in a shit <laughs> shed like you, a shit shed. Um, then you know that itself it requires quite a bit of, of in life to get from the ten year old to a, a position where you. You live whether you own the place or not. You live in your own home with your own stuff. You have made loads and loads of life decisions, and they've worked to the extent that you are there on your bed, not having, not being forced to do anything that you didn't do. All these things constitute achievement. Which, again, as a, you know, because it's it's true what you say. Sometimes I think, sometimes we talk about 
what would, would you have been happy with this when you started your career would you and there are always answers like well no because I was hoping I'd have written more books or I would like to be a best-selling author by now or I, I, my 18 year old self would have said oh, I would like to I thought I'd be writing screenplay whatever it is there are things you can project onto your old self but most likely you it's pretty true that when I was starting my career, I had some pretty lofty ambitions, some of which I've managed to fulfil, some of them not. But if you just backtrack a few years from there, my 16-year-old self would be like, wow, I mean, you live with a woman for a start, but that isn't your <laughs> mum. You have other friends that are women, that, and that seems to be fine. Like you were saying, if you want to go out for a run, you can just do it. If you want to go to a football match, you can, you can afford, you can't always get tickets for everything, but you can basically go if you want, and you can afford it. Um... And most of your life you spend doing stuff that you chose to some extent. That's amazing. I, it's yeah. funny. I, 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 this morning I had... So Pollock chocolate is this Danish... It's like hard Nutella. It's like a Danish thing. Yeah. So it's like just like a slice of chocolate. Like a thin, very thin slice of chocolate you put on bread. Uh, and I bought some from Scandinavian Kitchen a while ago. And I, this morning I found myself feeling kind of sneaky about using three slices instead of two. And I, that's such a... Ch- Especially for a lot of Danish kids. That's such a childhood thing. Yeah. Trying to sneak on an extra layer. Can I get away with yeah. this? And yeah. And even this morning in my kitchen, I was like, right, let's see. Let's see. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm 30. Yeah, it's funny, <laughs> yeah, isn't I'm it? Yeah, I'm 30 and I'm going to feel bad today. <laughs> I talked about this on stage for the first time the other day when you were there. That thing of like, sometimes I'll, I'll buy a packet of sweets just for that thing of saying, yeah. I can ha- I'm allowed sweets. Yeah. I've gone and just bought it. Sometimes I buy... Uh, like in in waitress will do these like not even a tube of sweets but a whole big bag of like fruit pastels or you know like a beyond a packet a, an actual bag the kind that you'd have to share with your brothers and sisters at home or if you were allowed it at all and the feeling of just walking out of waitress with that thinking <laughs> I can just eat these now I can eat them before I even get home it's <laughs> silly but it is also there are dozens of examples of things like that in your life that you that you would once have regarded as amazingly uh, privileged or fortunate. And um, you forget that even like, I mean, I have, I have children to look after some of the week and you have, both of us have work responsibilities to get out of bed for. But nonetheless, regularly we wake up slightly late and think, oh, well, oh, well, it's fine. <laughs> no, one's, no one's angry. No one's angry, yeah. Uh, or the the... The closest someone is to being angry is I'm going to be slightly late for this interview that someone, like, no, nothing, it doesn't matter. And that, again, is a privilege, which which we're fortunate to have, but which we have earned, nonetheless, by doing a, a job where we have that much self-determination. So, you know, it's, it's worth talking about, I think, because if you do measure how well the year went as, in terms of um, big landmarks, I got engaged this year, I uh, went to on Spain like then you will there will be some years that just are better uh, than others and if you're in a down year you'll think oh I didn't even I didn't even go to Spain this year I was <laughs> meant to but then something fell through um, uh, the engagement broke off and so on like as soon as you start seeing the year as a, a bunch of trophies you either did or didn't walk away with then for every up there'll be a down but if you just see your life as um uh, again, to quote Darren Brown, more like a piece of music, a, a, some sort of a dance where you're doing different stuff at different periods, but all of it has some sort of merit. That is much better, I think. So much. I, I, That's why I really like. Know. I'm going to bring it back, like the idea of writing on a monthly basis. Just like, and you can write it like every day of like if something nice happened that day. It doesn't have to be something you do at the first of the next month, but just all the nice things, or the tiny things you achieved, the tiny things you did. Like I'm, I yeah. think this is me just being reminded how great that was for me and I'm saying it now probably because I'm that's probably what I need to do next year because it was so helpful but that it just backs it up that we yeah yeah that, that we that if you look at a whole year based on what would that be 40 something pages of a list of every wonderful thing a nice thing or achievement or yeah what, anything that just you know, it was a big thing yeah, that happened. At the end of any year. Because even if it's a negative have, thing, it's still, you survived this. It's just still part of that your human experience. That horrible thing happened and yeah. you fucking made it through. Like, remember how sad you were in March when this happened and then how yeah. far you've come since. Well, the other good thing about either a diary or, as you say, some kind of written record is that it does give you that perspective as well. You look back on how 
uh, gutted you were about something in March. And even by the end of that same year, you think, ah, oh, well, it was all right. And you, you would be able to do that about, like, uh, outside of the realm of, you know, big disasters, tragedies. Most of the disappointments in the year, or failures, or things that you regret, even with the distance of a few months, you look back on and think, oh, that didn't really matter. Some, as we both know, work things come up all the time which you're really disappointed about. It's things you were passed over for, whatever, a gig that didn't go well. It doesn't even matter by the end of the week, really. Um, and I think a diary is good for that. If you do, if you did keep a teenage diary, and or a diary in your early 20s, say, in your case, and you look back on it now, you'd be amazed by and sort of touched by how wrapped up you were in crises which which don't have any bearing on your life now. And all you've got to do is then jump ahead 10 years from now and think, presumably I'll have the exact same perspective on these events. Of well, course, I, I, you don't I, I, feel like that because once you get older as well, you're like, oh, I have children, I'm divorced in my kid. Like, the, the things feel heavier because life gets more adult and serious. But the principle is the same, which is that if you read a diary of now in 10 years' time, you think, well, most of that didn't matter that much. Well, I've told you, maybe even on the podcast, I've mentioned it before, it must have futureme.org. Yeah, you, we have talked about this. Yeah, yeah. which is, uh, you can send an email to your future self and then it'll just you'll just um, receive it at the date and time you've chosen. That means that I still sometimes get, I've not written one for a while, but I still get emails from myself going, he has not answered my text. And I really hope that you, in five years, will be okay with it, or that maybe you are married to him. And I'm like, Who? or you have hunted him down. Yeah. and got vengeance for me, your past and, self. And when you read it now, I'm like, who was that? Yeah. I forget, what was that guy? Oh yeah, you were like mad in love with him for about a week, and then you, that was fine. But you can read like the written at two a.m. desperation of like young, desperate, codependent love. Of going, yeah. oh my God, I hope you're okay in five years. I know. Life throws so much stuff at you, and so much of it, of course, seems enormous when you're in the middle of it. But something like a diary, or just any kind of written um, summary of where you are, will you will always be able to look back on it and, and easily see what was important and what wasn't. And most of it won't have been. Important in the sense that it shapes you. Yeah, everything's important, obviously, but... You, when you're actually living things, you're not in a very good place to judge which which of them are important or not, obviously. Oh, so I want to ask you, this goes back to the island thing. Um, as, okay, so the question is, and then I won't let you answer until I've said more stuff. The question is, do you think we get stuck because, like as you said, it doesn't have to be as extreme a situation as the island, but... In my last therapy session, I spoke to my therapist about uh, moments in my life where I had more clarity. Because I have four or five moments in my life where I remember being, like, uh, it's hard to explain, but, like, really happy. Like, um, like I finally had everything under control. And yeah, we Clarity tracked. is a good word for clarity, it. Clarity, I, I think, is the right word. Yeah, so, it's certainly what I felt after tracked. the island. Things have been stripped away. A bit. Yeah, and, yeah. We kind of, and we kind of tracked it all back. And it had all happened based on some kind of extreme incident. So it was like a massive breakup or reading this book that just changed everything in my life or um, a one therapy session where I was told something I'd never realized before. You know like fairly extreme situations in the context of where I was at the point. And as so you said, the part of the reason why I sometimes put myself in situations that might make me sad is because I've now been kind of conditioned, like a Pavlovian thing of when something extreme happens. You're seeking extreme situations. So that I can get what really yeah. happy again. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just thinking, it's just this interesting pattern of if the extreme situation is something we need or something that like why can't we shake ourselves out of a thing if it doesn't have because it's kind of the same with new year's in a way yeah we like shouldn't it's need one a year it's like this is the yeah. one thing why can't we do it on the 13th of november well yeah it's interesting isn't it i um i mean because of course the answer is we you can do it on the 13th of november you, you could do it 
any day. Um, and perhaps if you have, say, a good therapist, it becomes easier to make those changes. Perhaps if you... Um, but I think part of the answer, which is, you know, comes down to the fact that as humans, we are quite odd, whimsical creatures, is that like, and this again comes back to what I was saying about the fact that the, the um, New Year is a significant date, whether you like it or not, is that I, I, um, our brains do look for these moments, these defining moments in life. It's why people, it's why we try and solve things, not by kind of gradual accretion of improvement, but by big dramatic gestures. Because this thing of being the hero, everyone being the hero of their own life story, if you're watching a film um, and somebody just makes a series of very sensible improvements, over the, it's not a great film, <laughs> probably. We like films where what have, where you would say about the film, so what was the plot of it? Oh, this guy wakes up one day, um, realises that he always wanted to do this thing, then he does it, then he uh, suffers some setbacks, but ultimately he does the thing or doesn't or whatever. But, you know, we films and stories generally, we're always in the business of telling ourselves stories about our lives and what they mean and who we are in them. But the stories that we are all raised with and are used to are normally like, you know, two hour digests. So there are five or six dramatic turn. All of us, even if you're not, even if you've had no interest in films or books, and like people like me have become have been unusually obsessed with or, or, or exposed to theories of narrative, but and whatever. But everyone's aware that we think in terms of the story where that guy did that thing and then that happened to him. Um, so I think it's to do with that. I think I think we have a need for it to be. And you even hear people talk about my. What's your story? My story is like I was really fat and then I did this. I did this diet and then my life was different. The reason that that works, that, that people are duped into that idea to uh, give people a brief teaser of your book, um, <laughs> is that it... And that's why these things advertise with a woman and a picture of a formerly fat woman and then a happy-looking, you know. Yeah. Our, our brains very easily buy this idea that stories, that our lives are stories with four or five clear big moments at which we make decisive action which sets us on another path. But I don't think most of life is like that. Most of life is 1,000 decisions a day, which if we get 700 of them right, we'll have a better life. But nobody wants to make a film like that. So I think it's partly that. I think we feel as if we need big moments of crisis, or, or, or if not crisis, drama or something, because we're used to the idea that... And of course, sometimes it's true. Sometimes you wake up one day and a big thing happens and the way you react to it will change your life, just just as in the blow of a book. What he sees that day will change him forever. But I, I think it's healthy to think one thing does not change you forever. Your continued reaction to the millions of stimuli that are hitting us is, is what... Well, is what changes you. Or maybe don't even think in terms of changing it. You know, yeah. life is constant evolution. Not a series of violent changes, I think, but we are, we are conditioned to think in terms of violent changes. This is a tricky thing for me to say. Um, so trigger warning, uh, diet. Um, I made my own diet when I was uh, 16. I don't know if I ever told you that. Like I, no, I, don't I wrote think a whole thing. I know, like you, a, I know you did. You tried every. No, but I made up my own. Diet in the world. And I yeah. truly believed, and part of me still believes that. Not that it would work, because that's not. Mm, the concept behind it, I think, would work, but I want to take it into you shouldn't have to diet either. Yes. And da, 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 da. There's a, we, I hope everyone listening knows that dieting sucks and you don't need to lose weight and you shouldn't lose weight and your fat is great and all of that. But the idea was basically based on this concept of um, also, I'm going to patent this, like, don't steal it. Um, yeah, this is kind of risky. If it's as good as you're implying, that's what really... I'm doing. So basically, it's based on this thing of it takes three weeks to get a habit in. Uh huh. So my idea was to go, um, for the f uh, how was it? So you start one week drinking like uh, half a bottle of water, or like a bottle of water uh, a day. That's uh -huh. all you have to do. Drink a bottle of water, everything else, exactly the same. Next week, you add a tiny thing. You can drink two bottles of water or you can have... Uh, you have to have an apple a day. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, like, <laughs> or something like that. And that. But you're still drinking the bottle of water a day. Mm -hmm. Next week, you um, uh, 
get off the bus one stop before. Right. Right. So by the uh, then by the next week, you the water thing will be normal. The water is in. Is It'll just be part of you every you. day. Yeah. yeah. And then the ne- by the next so. So and you, the reason why so you add one new add a new thing. thing and then you can start uh, subtracting something like now you stop doing that or now you like stop eating sugar or whatever that's my maybe a big thing but like you stop eating wine gums or yeah. you know it's all like very unhealthy in terms of making foods good and bad and mm. it's extremely triggering even to talk about because part of me goes oh, maybe that would you know because yeah, yeah, you yeah. still go into the same patterns yeah yeah <laughs> and I don't want anyone else to be on that path either no. so go and uh, watch some. Happy fat videos and people on Instagram and be happy again. But the idea in terms of changing uh, habits, I think it's like I'm trying to take vitamins again, which is something I keep trying to do over and over, and I always keep failing. Well, that's a negative way of yeah, saying it. Yeah, but, but there you yeah, go. That, that, that illustrates what we're talking you, about. Yeah, that's which exactly is the way you speak about the, it. But instinctively, I, it's like, did I succeed or fail? Yeah, it, exactly. Know, it's I, very, I, very um, inbuilt. Oh, I heard it when it came out of my mouth, like, he's going to pick up on this. Yeah, well, only because I, I, <laughs> I'm constantly in those thought patterns myself, as you know, and I, I think it's not. But anyway, yeah. carry on. No, but yeah. it's just this thing of, I know now that I've done it for two weeks, I know that by, like, if I just keep it going for another week, it's going to start to feel, because it's 21 days, like 21, super days, yeah, it's 21 days it should take someone to make something a habit. So that's what the brand is called. That's my, yeah, that's yeah my it's called 21 days. <laughs> Imagine so, if my next book was a diet book. It would be like, I'd almost be impressed. <laughs> Diets don't the, work, you're okay the way you are, but. Except for mine. <laughs> but you, if you did this, <laughs> you'd be happy. It would have been amazing that. <laughs> change of direction <laughs> it? Uh, I'd probably make more money you would um, if, if all of your all of the stuff you've said about how dieting is bad had, had just been to clear the market so yeah. that you could then come in and say but what if there was a diet but, that was right it would be brilliant imagine marketing really yeah destroy the entire industry so that you can repopulate it with yourself and your own work god I wish I was that clever and evil and it well, would be more rich. evil than anything else though yeah, yeah. god I'd make so much money um uh, I, I have so much more I want to speak to you about. Do you, you want to take a quick break because and start a new one? It would be good to just get a, a water. Is the only thing? Do you yes. want some water? As let's well? um, let's pause this recording and uh, we will be back. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, the next episode of this conversation will be out on next Wednesday. You have. Uh, you're so patient and you're such a lovely, 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 lovely listenership. I'm still so proud. And uh, one of the things I love that you do is I love how you message the uh, the guests that I've had on and thank them for doing it. I think it's so heartwarming and it just goes to show how great people you are. And people are always so happy. Oh, people are, people are still messaging me about my episode and they're so, saying thank you for doing it. And I'm like, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Because they're fucking brilliant my favorite listeners in the whole world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So thank you for that. Thank you for, sh- oh, I see so many of you tweeting, saying you enjoy the podcast and you're saying the most incredible, heartwarming, poignant things. And uh, I'm so proud. I'm so happy of, of that. So happy. Uh, thank you for your one-off donations. I am not uh, ignoring that ever. I get an email. It's just a donation. It feels like such a, just a kind thing. You sat down, you went on the website, you clicked donate, you put in the, your card info and then you just gave me that for creating this. And that's the reason it's here. You're the reason it's here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to the patrons, finally I can say your names again. The last two episodes I was too sick to say anything. But now I'm back and I will say every single motherfucking one of you. I'm so, oh, that was too aggressive. That felt wrong. But we'll say all your names. Uh, your names will be said in the uh, bedroom of Mark Watson's son. Yeah, was that a dream you always had? I thought so. So for the people, if you don't know, you can support on Patreon. You give, uh, you commit to pay a certain amount a month. No, not a month, but like per episode. But then once a month, it gathers what that is. So I'll do somewhere between four and five, sometimes three episodes a month. And uh, at the end of the month, it's just all happens automatically. You sign up once, you say how much you want to give per episode. That could be a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars. Or you can give whatever you want. It is dollars, but you can convert it. I don't know what it is, but you know, you you know how to look that up on the internet. And uh, it just happens automatically. It's uh, 
it's wonderful. It helps me. It helps so many other creators. And it's a wonderful fucking way of cutting out the middleman. Because we don't like the middleman, now do we? No, we don't. So, the people who give more, $5 or more per episode, become friends of the podcast. And uh, if you do that, you will have your name read out loud. Uh, not always in the bedroom of Mark Watson's son, but sometimes. And today is one of those times. So... I would like to say a massive thank you to the friends of the podcast, the massive legends who are Andrea Papalon, Andy Walker, Anya Knoblauk, Autumn Blue Sky, uh, Barry Norton, Caitlin, Kat Posse, Claire McCowell, and Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifersheet, Daphne Fanger, uh, Eleanor, Emma Appleton, Emma Chan, Fiona Richardson, George Pearson, Hannah Keel, Harold Van Dyke, Harry and Lily French, Harry Minute. Uh, Helena Thomas, Ida Sergo Larsen, Inga Ellingsen, James Brand, Janie Mahoney, uh, Jane Mahoney? Hmm. Josie, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelsen, KT, Kirsten Davidson, Queen T, Maury Fraser, Mansour Mir, Marbles Lost, Morag Fraser, Olivia Robson, Paul Swaddle, Perpetua Motion, Pierre Fnuth, Fnuth, Rachel Hemsley, Rachel Ferdy, Rachel Phillips, the three here Rachels, we always love them, Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, Russell Hughes, Sarah Ferreira, Ikeseth, Sarah Allard, Sheena Machette Cole, Susan uh, Fjeldsun, and Susie Tyler. Wonderful. Love you all. Thank you very much. Do go support. Maybe that should be your New Year's resolution. Yeah? Did I convince you of that? Did I manage to do the capitalist thing of whatever? Anyways, sorry. Uh, Yep, I'll be back next week with the next uh, section of the chat with Mark Watson. I want to say a massive thank you to my very patient and uh, snot out editing producer, <laughs> Dave Pickering, who is behind the podcasts uh, Getting Better Acquainted and The Family Tree. I want to say thank you to Dave for producing this episode, to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and of course to Mark Watson for uh, letting me uh, record this chat with him in his son's bedroom, and uh, just generally for letting me take time out of his... Why am I saying this? He's not going to listen. He's, of course, he's too busy to listen. He's too busy creating great art. <laughs> he's also writing books. I just remembered now that he didn't plug his books. He's an author. Read his books. All right. Uh, speak to you next week. Bye. Oh.